Warning, wrestling POV global is not suitable for all ages. Viewer discretion is advised. Devin Ginsburg, associate producer of The Wrestler with Mickey Rock and 350 Days starring Bret Hart and superstar Billy Graham. And you are listening to WPOV Global. Wrestle POV, global black and yellow brand. It's your point of view on the global stand. From north to south to east to west, they got you covered like a blanket, but I digress from elite to elite to the hot topic. AW Impact New Japan, they got it. Have you laughing so hard? Have your belly aching? Hurt any different? I'm sure you're mistaken. Hey guys, welcome to a very special edition of WPOV. Wow, I actually forgot the name of the title. No, I didn't. It's global. <laughs> How you guys doing? I just wanted to see the look on my co-host's face. Guys, welcome to another edition of Global. I'm your host, the legend T. James Logan. With me, the gentleman Elio Canella. Elio? Yes, sir. It's great to be here. We also have the lone wolf Andy Anderson. Pleasure as always. And joining us, special guest star, you know him as the third wheel from WPOV Wrestling. We're talking Rick Serrano the Third. Rick, welcome aboard. Hey, people. Thank you. Ding dong. Hello. I'm here. <laughs> I wish I, I knew missed that. that. <laughs> Did he just I call like us ding, ding dongs? I think so. Either that or he's trying to sell them ding dong. Is that a hostess ding dong? Ooh. Listen, if hostess wants to sponsor us, we'll, we'll take it. We'll take uh, it. We'll, it sounds we'll better than. Sounds better than Twinkie. Hello. <laughs> hello. Not that that's a bad thing, but no. no. Uh, anyways, guys, we have uh, another edition of AEW Dynamite to look at. You know what? This week, because we have a fourth guy on here, we're skipping hot topics. We're skipping all that tag stuff, whatever. Today, we're going to go, the four of us, we're going to talk about this show. I know my And this one we're going to have to say was a little bit of a harder sell compared to some of the other ones last week's because there really wasn't a giant marquee match advertised nor actually really happened in this event. But surprisingly, I'm going to start off with saying not a horrible AEW, not a great one, but nothing that was horrendous. Guys, anyone here, first of all, thought this was a terrible episode? This was... Uh okay episode uh, okay. borderline terrible borderline, borderline terrible borderline okay. terrible yes andy i don't know maybe maybe i checked my brain in at the door a little more than usual but uh you know i'm gonna go on the higher end i don't think it was a great show but i i overall i enjoyed it i thought it was a pretty good show all right I thought, it was a, I thought it was the middle of the road show it wasn't good but it was it wasn't great but it wasn't bad yeah so it seems that me and Elio are kind of on the same. Rick's a little bit down. Andy's a little bit up. But we're going to get into the show and decide what we think. Uh, first of all, I just wanted to really mention, you know, we've had so many deaths in wrestling in the last little while. Um, and I, I know they teased Rick about this a lot. Uh, but I know the three of us all uh, knew beautiful Bobby Eaton yep. uh, from the Midnight Express. And uh, I got to tell you, not only surprised me because not a very old guy, but what a tremendous wrestler. The Midnight Express, man, growing up were some of the best tag team matches I ever saw with the Rock and Roll Express, with just about any team they got in there with. And uh, a very sad thing. And, you know, 
very sad too is as i've always mentioned i'm a fan of the jim Cornette show and uh this really devastated jim Cornette. he did a special show this weekend just talking about him nothing to do with wrestling and even talked about how he might not do any more shows you know that might be the last show for him so tough thing you know a lot of wrestlers dying and a lot of people affected by that and it's kind of a weird thing you know it's a weird community because we used to have wrestlers die all the time over like you know steroids drugs or whatever but it's a whole different generation and a whole different things and it's a tougher thing i think right now i i think people are especially with the internet uh the connectivity you can have fan uh festivals you know andy's talked about the old days where you never even got to see the good the bad guy you know they'd sneak him in he'd never come out and talk to you you know now we have a community where you know, everyone kind of, if you like a wrestler, you can pretty much meet that wrestler somewhere and shake his hand at least once, you know, especially if you're buying a t-shirt and he's an indie wrestler, my God, you, you know, you could probably take him up for supper for all. Yeah, let's not go there. <laughs> all right. <laughs> you know what, let's get into this week's AEW Dynamite. And uh, I wasn't sure what to expect. And there's some things. Well, let's start off. We, of course, start off with MJF. He's sitting there chewing on an apple, which very uh, Carlito reminiscent to me. Yeah, uh, I don't know where they were going with that. Yeah. Did, did it seem like there was a point to the, the apple thing? Or was it I, just the visual at the end of Wardlow being yeah. angry and squishing it? Well, yeah, I guess that's where they were going with it, to show that yeah. Wardlow was so strong. But the mm -hmm. apple cut perfectly in half. When he crushed yes. it, yes. so it's like they already he bit one side, but the other side was like cut in half already. So he just had a as it split in half perfectly. It was ridiculous, utterly ridiculous, comical even. Well, it could be that the power of Wardlow is so symmetrical that he crushed <laughs> shapes into perfect shapes. I don't know. <laughs> The most <laughs> symmetrical grip strength I have ever seen. Symmetrical grip shape. Each finger is equally as strong as the other. That's a pretty incredible stuff. The, the, I'm pretty the, sure the, all first, my the first gimmick fruit. I wouldn't yes. say that. <laughs> I'm sure we've seen many gimmick fruit over the last couple <laughs> years. Well, no, 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 a long time. It was maybe in a bit. Yes. Yeah. Well, Piper didn't use it. With the wrong one. I do know if you guys, we can't say it hasn't been the first gimmick fruit in a while because MLW had been pulling some crap with the Von Eric squishing crap with their hands oh, a little while ago. So, uh, yeah, I won't say gimmick fruit for a while. Okay. Well, and, oh. and, and we got freshly squeezed orange cats. That's not a gimmick fruit. I don't know what it is. Oh, somebody's got to squeeze that dude. But I can say this. Bobby Lashley recently, like the other day on Instagram, posted uh, him crushing a watermelon with his like biceps. <laughs> so <laughs> A watermelon with his biceps. Damn. What a watermelon. So he did something. I don't know if that was gimmick or not. I don't even know where to go with that, Rick. <laughs> I, I bet that the odds of that being gimmicked are a lot less likely than the odds of that apple being gimmicked. Yeah. I, I don't even know where to go with such an outrageous thing. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, we start off our first match. Now. <laughs> yeah, of course you are. We're going to start off the first match. The Young Bucks and Kenny Omega 
taking on the team of Dante Martin and Matt and Mike Seidel. Um, this is one of those matches, if I had to tell you move for move, this is ridiculously fast. There was stuff going on left, right, and center all over the place. Everyone got in every single move. There must have been at least 857 moves in the first four minutes. But actually not a total throwaway match because it didn't have that usual vacant feel that sometimes these spot fests get. You know, sometimes you sit there and you're watching. It's like, oh, this is paint by the number AEW opener. Um, <laughs> there you go. We got a picture. There it is. Um, that is a big watermelon. Um, That's awesome. Now, I want to first of all say uh, things quickly, things that pointed out to you guys in this match. I'm going to throw to Andy because Andy gave a rare compliment uh, for High Flyers uh, during our, our, our chat uh, online before this. Group so, Andy. Chat. What stuck uh, in your mind that, like, what jumped out at you about in this match? And just for the record, the team of Omega and the Young Bucks did win, and we'll explain it later. All right. So, now, I don't know if he's been on Dynamite before and if I haven't noticed him or not, but what's the kid's name? Dante? Dante, Dante Martin. Martin. Yeah, has he been on Dynamite before? Yeah, he's been got injured, so he hasn't been yeah. doing very much. Okay, okay. You've complimented them before in the past. Yeah. Top Have flight. I? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, top flight. Okay. The uh, the way this kid moved, like, I mean, there's, like, there's luchadors and there's guys that are light on their feet and can move so smoothly, so gracefully. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody look that light on their feet. With everything mm-hmm. he did from, you know, from jumping to the top ropes, jumping through the ropes, some of the flips he was doing, it just, you know, when, when we see so much of the same or similar, uh, you know, we call it the flippy shit, but just so much stuff. I mean, it's, it's mostly like most guys are doing the same things. Like this guy, to me, it looked like he was doing the moves and variations of moves that I hadn't really seen before. Yep. And he made them look effortless. And they they were on point. I mean, sometimes with you know with AEW we criticize because guys are standing around or, or or moves get flubbed more than what we see on say like WWE TV. But like everything he did. Now I mean, you know, as far as a a pro wrestling end of things, eh, okay. I mean that remains to be seen. But for what this kid was doing, really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. And, I get that. Yeah, and just. Like it just, I would go like to me, like I would go back. I mean, and this is very rare that I would say this, but like I would go back and watch that match again, just to watch, Mm -hmm. you know, focus specifically on, on him and just watch him move. Because when I was paying attention to him, it just, it it was amazing. And and to say that when you have like the young bucks and, and you have so many high flyers and high spot guys and stuff for this kid to stand out like that, I thought was impressive. And and you say kid because he is a kid. He just turned old. twenty years old. Yeah, yeah. He just turned twenty. So he's been doing this over a year now with AEW. At nineteen, mm-hmm. he started, and he is now twenty years old. Legit yeah. kicking ass. I gotta throw props too to that. Had to have been the craziest move I saw in a long time. But the move where Omega was standing outside and he jumped off and came down almost like on a ninety degree angle. Yes, straight down on the shoulders, and I was like, "Holy crap!" There's like no, no move, no, no room for uh, error there. Error. Yeah, no. I that that spot where him and uh, Matt and Mike Sedell were all on the apron, and he just like jumped off the apron. 
No, he kind of did look like a hurricane. Like a yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, one of the things, too, let, let's also talk about, let's give some props to Mike Seidel because, I mean, we last two times we saw him, he was brutal in there. Like, yeah. I don't know. And this makes me feel better in the thinking the fact is maybe he was just really nervous his first exposure on national television because tonight he looked like he belonged a lot more he, he, in, in a main event type setting. You know, he looked like he wasn't some guy they just threw in there, which he really did look those times. It made me worried that this dude ain't ready at all but uh no he 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 put his own i mean he wasn't great but he also wasn't lost and he didn't look like a sore thumb like he did in the last one everybody um, looked like they belong yeah. yes let's talk about the young bucks what's with this goofy uh they're coming out like it's a 70s thing they're bopping right. around you've got uh kenny omega like he's trying to be harley racist son all of a sudden <laughs> <laughs> the elite the the elite it almost feels to me like they're trying to be more baby faces than heels though (laughs) it's like they're doing goofy shit that's getting them over his faces as opposed to getting heat Uh, yeah Yeah, they do some goofy shit let's give them that i mean um one of the goofiest things i do find is the whole kenny addressing the crowd and trying to ask them an opposite question oh yes you say no 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 (laughs) you know he does that a lot lately and it just makes him look stupider and stupider. And he's supposed to be the world champion. Yeah, when I saw that, I was like, Did he realized we're live, right? Like, this is live. I, like, that's some shit you do during a commercial or whatever. You're like, you yeah. guys weren't chanting, oh, oh, you guys were saying no, 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 right? That That's just dumb. Like, yeah. that's first thing I thought of when he did that. Just because he's goofy and with pop culture and stuff. I felt like that was a direct Simpsons reference to, are they saying boo-earns? Are oh. boo-earns, yeah. <laughs> are they booing or saying boo-earns? And that's what I feel like. Anytime Kenny does some of that stuff, it's like, okay, that's got to be rooted somewhere. It's almost like, you know, like if we had an inside joke about boo-earns. And yeah. I'd be like, oh, hey, Rick, you know, are you saying no, 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 or are you saying boo-earns? And it's like, that's what it felt like to me. And I mean, and, yeah. and for some people, and if that's what it is, and some people catch on to it and they think it's funny, cool. But it's it's a little too overboard for me, and especially like you said, as the world champion, like comedy to me, like comedy for like champions doesn't mm-hmm. sell. It doesn't. Yeah. No, you know, that that's why Santino is never a world champion. That's why Orange Cassidy's never a world champion. Comedy's funny and it's got its place, but when you're the world champion, you're the best. Sorry, man. That that you know maybe bits and pieces but not to that extent. And and I also want to address here this whole situation with, okay, so he's, okay, the, the match ends. Uh, they beat up Dante Martin, who, by the way, uh, was impressive wiggling out of almost all of Omega's moves, you know, until yeah, getting caught at the end by everybody. But uh, I want to just say about this match, yeah. I really, really enjoyed it because mm-hmm. it was a predictable finish. Like, you knew who was going to win this match. But it was just so damn enjoyable with the Seidel brothers and Dante Martin. It was still like, wait a sec. It made you think for a second. You were Maybe just like, win. is Dante Martin going to win this match? Are yeah, they really going to slide him over. over? Yeah, yeah, like it was just one of those moments. Um, but yeah, like it was it was incredible. And it was probably for me, it was match of the night. I really enjoyed this match. Yep. And, wow. and, and, and the Young Bucks, I'm sorry. I, I'm sold on them. They they okay. crack me up. I love the comedy stuff. I love they're the chicken shit heels. It yep. works for them. I disagree with Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega shouldn't be doing that. 
he should be yeah. more serious in that role. But the yeah. Young Bucks, they're perfectly placed. I love it. Well, it seems like Kenny really does have this stupid thing where he's trying to get nudge, nudge, wink, wink jokes to the audience. You know, yeah. like remember his stupid entrance with the uh, where the hell was he always from? North Carolina? North Carolina. Yeah. Like it was a, a a bad attempt at making a joke that everyone was supposed to latch onto and nobody did. Nobody cared. Yeah. And he does that a lot. And unfortunately, it makes his humor fall flat and he doesn't look classy. He doesn't look, which is funny because I mean, look at his face. I was like, wow, this could be like a young blonde Harley Race, you know, the way he's growing his hair. But Harley Race wouldn't do dumb crap like this in a ring, you know. <laughs> yeah. He he had some he had some uh, style and class. Um, the whole thing, and then this, I found this extremely awkward when the match ended with Christian coming out. The yeah. whole setup of having them and then Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy come out, and then they just hop in the ring, and there's like ten guys who are ready to beat up everyone, but now they're going to listen to the three guys who've hopped in the ring, which and they're going to go to commercial. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so they get to stand around and look at each other we're, we're, and set we're it bad, up. Uh, spot to play a commercial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, AEW's got a, a habit of putting commercials in very weird spots. Um, then the whole use of the word chicken shit a lot, which was or just shit. Sorry, I shouldn't say yeah. chicken shit. Yeah. The word shit, like quite a few times in a row. Um, I don't get it. Is it the edgy card? Like, oh, you guys have four shits per episode. Let's lose them in one shot. I, I. <laughs> It just, once again, that stuff doesn't work. Uh, Christian, however, I thought this was probably the best uh, promo he's cut in a while with a crowd. Yeah. And I was kind of worried because they weren't letting him do crowd promos in the beginning. Remember, he was always backstage or yeah, something. Yeah, we were always pointing that out. Yeah. yeah, so I'm glad he did this. Uh, the rest of it kind of fell apart. And holy crap, all of a sudden, Jungle Boy learns how to talk. Because <laughs> when he started talking, I didn't even believe it was him. <laughs> But uh, it, here's, a, here's a weird situation that I want to address with you guys, because I know in my head that I feel very off about this, is the fact that, that you know, Cody, or sorry, Cody, um, Kenny has a bunch of belts, okay? Mm-hmm. And he's going to defend the world belt against Christian coming up. But how bizarre is it that he's going to f- put the impact title ahead of the, the cart? You know, he's, he's going to do this first. And I don't know about you, but for me, in a way, it dilutes the feeling. It dilutes that whole Christian uh, Kenny meetup if they're already going to meet the week before and fight for a minor belt. I, I find that extremely bizarre, and I don't think I like it. Uh, opinions. Well, well, it gives Christian a chance to actually beat Kenny Omega and mm-hmm. take the Impact Belt off of him and lose to Kenny when he puts the bigger title on the line. Like yeah. the AEW title is supposed to be the cat's meow. So mm-hmm. it, it, it makes sense to have him, all right, we're going to get these other belts off of him. We're going to also keep Christian undefeated up until that moment for the AEW title. Also, it gives Impact a huge boost trying to get Christian back, who was mm-hmm. once upon a time the Impact champion. So there's storylines in the making. It's just mm-hmm. if they do it correctly. And we'll find out at, on Rampage tomorrow. Okay. I get the storyline aspect. I just meant that whole feel. I mean, if I'm going to go see, you know, Edmonton Oilers play uh, the Calgary Flames for a big playoff game, it's weird that I'm also going to see them, you know, the week before playing a minor game that isn't worth as much, but they're still playing. You know what I mean? For me, that just takes a bit out of the hype of it. What do do you think on that, Andy? Well, so Christian and Kenny, they fight. That's the one in Chicago. 
they're going to fight. Uh, they, they, they fight, for the, they fight yeah. for the AEW title? Yeah, in Chicago, but yeah. they're fighting for the Impact title this week coming up. So who's to say Christian makes it to Chicago? Yeah. Oh, the swerve story. Mm. Okay. Elio? Um, yeah, I don't know. The, it's hard to say. Uh, for me, I kind of uh, switched them around. Have the have the impact uh, title next week in the AEW title. Wait, you mean the, have the AEW title first? Wait, there are I allowed it's for the impact title, right? No, no, the no, imp- no, no impact, impact. Okay. Oh uh, yeah, no, I, this would be uh, interesting to see what happens. Okay. I was right. I was getting confused uh, when they were talking about that. Okay. Um, after that, uh, the, the ending that would never end, right? They keep playing the music. Stop the music. I got to say something. Stop the music. I got to say something. Stop the music. I got to say something. So then we get the, the fact that uh, not only does Christian announce that he is going to uh, get a, a, a pre-match before the AEW title with for the Impact title, uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus are going to get uh, a match against the Young Bucks. So, when was okay. the last time they tagged in a, yeah. a tag team match? Like they're getting tag team title shots like nothing. Probably on dark. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's face it. What have the young bucks actually wrestled with the not in a six-man tag team? You know, That's since true. they won the belts, have they defended it once yet? They must have, I know. Oh, of it course. But but I would be surprised if they did it. <laughs> if the rankings like say they're the number one contenders, <laughs> we believe the rankings. We don't yeah. question them. <laughs> Got it. It really seems in AEW, once you win the belt, you get to cruise for a hell of a long time before you actually have to defend that belt, whatever division you're in. So uh, we'll see where that goes. Next, kind of like, like Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Roman Reigns has been on a roll defending that title every month. He makes sure he defends it. So he's doing – they're doing something right with Roman. So maybe AEW copies that and starts defending the title at least once a month. Okay. Uh, next, we move over to a segment of Malachi Black talking about taking out Cody Rhodes, where a part of you cannot help but feel that, yeah, he's exactly right. Cody did get what he deserved. <laughs> yep. Yeah, um, I'm loving Malachi Black. That was great. Amen. Yep. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys, what do you think of this look, eh? Uh, yeah, awesome. It, it, it works. It's, it's, that, that mask. It's money. I, I love that mask that he come yeah. out, comes out with. All right. Speaking about uh, really cool. Uh, things that work what about Miro now I I gotta tell you I'm liking this Miro thing he you know what he's saying is hilarious what he's doing yep. is is pretty tremendous but um, he's fighting chumps that's the one thing I don't like he's talking the talk he's not walking the walk he's just like uh I'm here uh I'm gonna fight Fuego <laughs> it's just like <laughs> come um, on man. we can see that in every new uh, WWE champion too you get a bunch of chump weight at the first after the rematch then they start getting the things in so I'm this is not this is nothing new I don't think this is all that different from any other champion in other other company sure no, it's now but not for me he's in that the down cycle is- he's only had it a couple months dude yeah, but I'm saying that there is nobody in AEW that can match with Miro. Like, there's no competition mm-hmm. that you could put with Miro and be like, wow, this is actually pretty good. Fighting chumps like this, it's fine every once in a while. 
But now mm-hmm. it's like you're you're putting oh on rampage. I'm fighting Fuego del Sol. Who? For a contract. He'll <laughs> <laughs> fight harder. He needs that contract. But here's the so, thing is there are some good guys that you know, I want to see Jake Hager get in there. I want to see some, all some right. Yeah. Do good, you know, those are the guys but, that I would like to see too. But the, but yeah. for whatever reason, Jake Hager doesn't fight on a regular. Probably because like, he's still trying to keep his toe in MMA. So that's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. Um I I, I, I justify sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Oh no, I was just gonna say I like to justify it, even though AEW doesn't have heels and faces. To me, I think it's a great thing that he's talking all the trash and he's fighting these lower card guys. Like it's awesome that he's being the redeemer. It's awesome that he's forgiving guys and you know he beats something afterwards. Like, I forgive you, I forgive you. Right now, I I think it's 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 a way of building that character. Yeah. Where's where's Kip Sabian? Uh, I don't think anyone cares. I don't think Kip Sabian's <laughs> mother cares. Uh, <laughs> I think this is a good opportunity to build now that character, to have the a, a smaller up-and-comer be the one that works up to Miro, you know? And God, I hate to, it just popped in my head and you guys may go, oh, but maybe it's a good time to reintroduce Darby Allen down the road. You nope. know what I mean? He's taking on guys Ooh. to crush. There's a, there's a guy who could who has ran with the heavyweights for a while, but I'm not saying him, but maybe it'll be somebody like that. Definitely not Kip Sabian. I, I, no. I, I don't think that's a good idea. Possibly Daniel Bryan or Brian Daniel Bryan. Yeah. I, 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 boy, you this know, what? mysterious American dragon. Yes. Oh, <laughs> very, very interesting. Anyways, um, speaking of Dar- Darby Allen, let's go to the Darby Allen match next. Okay. Um, first of all, I found myself thinking about Darby Allen after the show. And we talk about, first of all, he's a small guy. We talk about how he does this dumb stuff that we don't like, this very dangerous stuff, right? Uh, and then we, and we say stuff like, oh, I wish he'd wrestle more. But then he has been wrestling more for the last couple of weeks. And all it makes me think is, well, this guy is too small anyways. So having him wrestle more, I think, takes away from the illusion of what he was trying to do. I think now it, it puts him in a deeper hole. Maybe you guys agree or not, but I think it kind of exposes the fact he's a small dude. You know, uh, you could go past that when he was the small dude willing to jump off a building with a cinder block and kill you. Okay. But now he's just a small dude wrestling. And do you really want to watch a small little dude wrestling big guys? I don't know. Uh, but he gets a match in today with Daniel Garcia. And I've got to say this Daniel Garcia guy, kind of impressed guys this is definitely a star in the making i think i think he's got a lot of talent uh why he's hanging around with the idiots 2.0 have no idea but uh then why is chris dadliner hanging out with the best friends you know idiots uh just kind of latch on to people with talent in this company uh what do you what do you think of this garcia guy with that rick what do you think of garcia uh yeah from the first two weeks i Mm i i'll tell you this I prefer Wheeler Yuta over this guy, okay. Daniel Garcia. Uh, I I know I get I got on Wheeler Yuta a couple of weeks ago, but I Daniel Garcia I don't see it. I will okay. say this though about 2.0, yeah. there's something about them that makes me laugh, and yeah. if that's what they're trying to do, they're doing the right thing because the guy that blinks a lot and just is like I told you this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna come after you like he emphasizes every word with his 
blinking and it just <laughs> fucking works and it makes me laugh. So if that's what their intentions are, then they are doing such a great job at it. But mm-hmm. the uh, Darby Allen going up against them, this should have been a squash match. If you want to, yeah. you wanted me to think of Darby Allen as a credible wrestler, he should have mm-hmm. squashed this dude quickly. Okay. Would you say those guys put an ever shine in your heart? <laughs> Anyhow, the- um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm gonna say I'm gonna right out say this, and I'm gonna call it back. I'm gonna say in three months, uh, Rick, that Daniel Garcia will be way higher up the card uh, than um, than Wheeler uh, Yuta. Than Wheeler Yuta. Uh, and I think Wheeler Yuta is in a position where he's gonna be pulled down worse by the company he keeps. Uh, Elio, what did you think of this Daniel Garcia guy and this match itself? So and Darby you know, So yeah, so the match itself, uh, like we said, was a squash. Should have been a squash. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel Garcia. Yeah, I'm not seeing it right now. Maybe I. Okay. Maybe maybe if I see more from this guy, then I. But for now, I'm just not seeing it. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough, Andy. I'm I'm going a different route here. I actually didn't mind uh, Daniel Garcia. I didn't mind this mm-hmm. match. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, this, you know, it, it was a more competitive match and, and maybe, um, I don't know, I, I, I found, and you guys know I'm not a big Darby Allen fan, but I, I found him a lot more palatable because to me, this was a lot more logical. This, this seemed a yeah. lot more, you know, like two guys, you know, whether you have like two big guys or big guys, small guy, and, and not that I would, you know, next week they put... Darby versus Miro or Lance Archer and you know and it automatically would go back to the formula that it would usually go to whether you know he gets his ass kicked for most of it whether he wins or not whatever but uh, I, I thought it was it was a good showing by both guys the one thing that uh, I wasn't crazy about Daniel Garcia is the lack of facial expressions especially every time you know he would do a move or something like that they do a close-up on his face and it was just very stoic very like there is nothing. If, yeah. Even if that's his character, there's still got to be more, more, more aggressiveness, something. more emotion than the stone face. Cause especially for a guy that's not a big guy, uh, that's just, that's not going to work. But um, yeah, the match itself, I, I didn't mind uh, Darby and, and maybe, you know, maybe if it was because my frustrations of the way his, his style of matches were with the bigger guys. I, I liked this a lot more than what I would normally see from him because, you know, he mm-hmm. was wrestling and it, and it was just, it was a better show. Okay. And I'm going to 100% disagree with Rick and Elio on one point here. Darby Allen should never squash anyone. He's a small guy. He should That's have, he should, yep. be, he should be talented enough to get the win. He should be plucky enough to hang on and figure a way to win. He should never go out and dominate anyone unless he's fighting someone smaller than him. And there isn't anyone smaller than him. It just yeah, doesn't make sense. I agree. And uh, one, the thing with Garcia, what I don't like is the goofy ass gear he has. It is like, did, did your grandmother sew that for you before the show? Like, it, it was it's very unremarkable. It's very indirific. And it reminds me actually of Darby Allen's gear because he's got that weird sock pant thing going on that Darby does, you know, and it's just like, it's not a good look, guys. And I, I know Tony's big on that too, is sometimes the gear can really change the complexion of a wrestler. Now, what's so, everybody's take on, on Sting still being around with, uh, with Darby? What's the, point? what's the point now? Like, I get it. I get it that they want to get their money out of Sting, but really, I think Sting has done as much as he could for Darby, uh, and which was been a lot. I think now you use Sting for someone else. 
maybe Wheeler, Utah, maybe Garcia, <laughs> maybe one of these young guys could benefit from Sting in their corner now because Darby doesn't need him at all. I don't think. What do you guys think? I don't think he needs him. He's, he's done a, he's done all he can for Darby Allen. Okay. I Andy, would agree. Uh, it, it's it, it's a very tough situation because I mean we can speculate on you know how and, and what he's being used based on his age based on what he's getting paid you know it's like you said you know, they want to put him on TV um, I while I agree that you know he's probably gone as far as he can with Darby mm-hmm. I also think he's kind of lost a lot of his luster mm. Like they I don't, don't have a you know, snow like, machine anymore. No, it doesn't, have, it doesn't have the snow machine. But I mean, it, it's you know, and, and I say that. But if they turned him around and they stuck him in the middle of something with with the elite or any of those upper level guys, like mm-hmm. no one would think twice. Mm-hmm. But just like right now, because he doesn't really do anything. I mean, I guess it's a big deal because he's gonna be. Is he wrestling on Rampage this week or next week? They said Ooh. he was gonna be on next TV week. Or, yeah, next week yeah. or Dynamite. Sometime in the next week, he's gonna be on TV wrestling okay. a match so uh, that's something but um yeah i don't know because it's like well then you know how does how does you walk away from darby like do you turn one of them heel i i don't i don't really see that and it's like all of a sudden it's like mm-hmm. oh okay well i'm done with you i'm gonna move on to you know unless you're almost doing like a powers of pain demolition no, no, no. Roots. <laughs> they you do the know thing. what i wouldn't they, they do the, hold on they do the thing they did a couple weeks ago uh dad don't come out with me anymore i got it Sting's like, you know what? Screw you, kid. Okay, I'll go with someone else. <laughs> and that someone else could kid? be 2.0. Have Sting and have him doing the Stinger makeup, the old school Stinger makeup. The, kid, the beach, the surfer yep. Sting. Yes. Surfer oh. Sting coming out and trying different things, but they keep on losing. Having like Sting training them to be a competitive tag team, but it just never works. They try all different versions of Sting. It just doesn't work for them. I think it's gold, Jerry. I think we got something here. You know what? That uh, is an awesome idea. Yes. I, uh, okay, I, I, I don't want to sound mean. I'm going to sound mean here, and I don't mean to. And I know, Rick, you've seen this. I know, Andy, you've seen this. And I'm pretty sure Elio has seen this. But you know when you watch a match where they have a very old veteran, someone they brought in who, who can't really move, but he'll throw a punch and everyone will sell it like they're getting knocked yeah. out. Or you see Stu Hart, you know, at the very end of his career, clear the ring or something like that. Like, you know, that's just what went through my mind when Sting started punching the guys. He just looked like a tired old man throwing a few punches that everybody was selling like he was like Muhammad Ali. And that's not the look I want for the guy you're paying every week to be on television. It's just like he's falling into Jake Roberts. Yeah. <laughs> because you, you know, know Jake Roberts can't do shit right now. Yeah. I don't think Jake yeah. is starting as, to look like As we talk, what actually starts to it's really starting to worry me now even more mm-hmm. is we are going to see Sting versus Ric Flair one more time. No. No, no, no. And no. Oh, no. no. Good. God, no. That, that I think would be terrible. At the, oh, does anyone really want to see that at this their age and and, and their no. oh I, I kind of want to see it. No, just, <laughs> no, just with with Flair being open and him recently saying he's you know he'll never retire, and yeah. it's like yeah. just with different things going on, it's like it, it's going to be almost too uh, 
like uh like like when they when WCW did the Slamboree, one of the first Slamboree pay per views way back Legend, when. Legend streaming in '93. Is that, is that the one where they they even did the match in black and white or something like that? And, yeah, I yeah. think that was it. Legend streaming. That's almost what I feel. Like a cinematic match between Flair and Stinger. Uh, yeah. Guys, I will though say I would take that over Jake Roberts versus Sting. Though. That's fair. Uh, okay. Wow, we are mean. We're we, we've taken mean un-Canadian films tonight. This or an the AEW American version of Spin the Wheel, make the deal between Sting and Jake. Oh, <laughs> stipulations no, would just be. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's only two stipulations each time. Okay. Um, here's a weird storyline that I'm not really digging is the whole, uh, death triangle and the Andrade Chavo thing going on. It's nothing's really going on here. It's like they're feuding over nothing but words and not even yeah. strong words. I, are you guys buying into this? Cause maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm jaded, but it really just like, seems like Nobody has a real beef with anything here. All I hear them doing is talking and saying the same thing every week. No, mm-hmm. no one's really doing anything. Okay. Listen, they're just putting them on TV just to get these big names on TV. Wait till the match happens, and then this will change everything. Once the match happens, we're going to be like, wow, that was a good fucking match. I don't care how bad these promos were. That's what we got to get through. We just got to get through this crap until we get to the match. Let's get to the match, and then we'll be a different story. What Rick is trying to say is, he's the only almost, cool part of all that. <laughs> I almost agree with you, Rick. But the thing is, and it goes back to lack of, you know, I'll say lack of heels, lack of baby faces, lack of emotional investment in a the storyline. They're going back and forth with the words. I agree with that. They're just throwing these guys on TV. They're just trying to give them a beef to have a reason to have a match. I'm sure it'll be impressive, but if they could have something more legitimate to beef about that we could get more invested in, I think would make the match that much more impressive. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, it's just going to turn into another match of, I was like, well, Mr. just put on other trios of the Young Bucks versus uh, Dante Martin and uh, uh, the side Dallas or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, it'll be a flashy match. Okay, cool. But no meaning behind it. Yeah, where it's like, oh, we really want to see uh, Death Triangle like put these guys in their place or something. It's just mm. what they yeah. should have done was put the Death Triangle a little bit at odds, and by a little bit at odds, I mean have Ray Phoenix be like, we should give him a chance, you know, and then have Penta be like, no, we're not going to let him in the group, and then when the match happens, have uh, Ray Phoenix help. Andrade up like when he gets thrown outside and then all of a sudden now you get dysfunction within the group and we don't know who's going to side with who that's how you start building this story but the problem is now Pac, Pac is like you know what you guys focus on the tag team titles another tag team that hasn't been fighting as a tag team is going to get mm-hmm. a title shot you know and I'm going to fight him one on one it's like uh, you guys you have this story where you have these Latin guys that can turn and and become something big with Andrade and they turn on pack and then you can have this whole war between the four of them yeah. but they're just dropping the ball with this lack of communication Chavo didn't even know what he was saying tonight Chavo <laughs> was stuttering and everything and Chavo was just like yeah, but the yeah worst part you're the boss more sense than Andrade 
Chavo, Chavo's like like from the from the Bugs Buddy cartoon with the bulldog and Spike. Yes, yes. Yeah, Spike. Yeah, Gotti, yes. you're the boss. You're the boss. Wow, that sounded just like Chavo. I feel like Chavo was in the room just now. But I, I like I get the idea, Rick, of trying to really uh, come up with a better storyline here. But I really haven't we had Penta and Phoenix at odds like often. But on, that's why it works eight million times. Well, it's to the point now it doesn't even it, to use it again. I think really dampens it, makes it like, oh yeah, because they've overdone it. You know what? From from what we, as Rick was talking, what I think maybe might be a little more effective because you know you're talking about like if there's a little dissension somewhere in there, even if you had the the uh, the brothers with a little bit of dissension to pack have it we go and say like oh like one week oh well, the limos didn't show up what if it was like somehow it's like you know you get it where they were split up and it's like okay well uh the lucha brothers got a limo to the to the show pack you know somehow didn't it's like oh well we thought we were getting our own limos well what do you mean it, you'll cause it essentially like and then go back and forth that way and then maybe next week it's like oh well Pac gets you know bumped up to first class and these guys were uh, in coach or something well how come you mean, you know, you guys didn't get bumped up to first class too? Like I, you know, I, I got into my seat, I fell asleep. Like the dissension more that way versus just a simple, you know, kind of like what Rick, like not to, not to, no, you know, I guess you. Saying, right? but just to make it something a little more concrete, something you can kind of dig into more where it's like, well, but these guys took the limo ride. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe they're in cahoots. Oh, well, yeah, but, but he took the upgrade to first class. Oh, well, he got, but you know, it's like, oh, and then you have the, the misunderstandings about, oh, well, I thought you got the, well, didn't you get this? And it's, you know, and then if something like that happens during the match. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, okay, well, who's with who? Now you have some intrigue. Now I yeah. want to know. Now I feel you. Know, you. Yeah, because yeah. Death Triangle is just doing too much of, no, we're not with you, Andrade. They're sticking with, they're sticking as the Death Triangle together. So it's making it, difficult for Andrade to get anything going because it's just like what are we doing here you you guys we said yeah. no and that's it we're done with you Andrade and Andrade's still trying but they're like no we're not budging so it doesn't really make yeah. for a good story and I will say this about mm-hmm. Ray Phoenix and Penta Owen Hart and Bret Hart always had that little rivalry even though when they were teaming up Owen Hart always had that little Mm-hmm. And you always wanted to watch it. Chip on his shoulder. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like, I'm fine with Penta and Phoenix going back at it again because it's always gonna be something that the little brother's always gonna want to be better than the big brother kind of story. So I'm for okay. it. All right. Like we may not agree on exactly which route to go, but what we do agree on is there needs to be a story here. Yes. What yes. happening isn't. Yeah. This isn't much of a story going on. And boy, when Andrade does finally get to talk. Is he from a part of Mexico that even Mexicans don't know about? Because he seems like he's talking in a whole other language when he's talking English. And I, I thought it hilarious when Chavo just cut in and started talking because it was obvious we couldn't understand what the hell that Johnny was saying. Do you know what I think he needs to do? He hmm. needs to do what Nikki Ash is doing right now uh, or Nikki Cross. Nikki okay. Cross has such a thick accent. She slows down her talking so mm-hmm. much that you can – she enunciates each word, each sound. That's probably what he a good needs idea. To he needs yeah, to yeah. just slow down. He wants to have a regular. It has to be difficult when your first language is Spanish. You, you're able to get all your feelings out so fast and so quickly. But now you got to do a second language, and you're just like, it doesn't sound the same when I say it like this. It's it's just 
it doesn't have that aggression. So he's just trying to sound smooth and suave, but it's just not there. So he mm-hmm. needs to either go back and start practicing on his speaking English or not speaking at all and have someone speak for him like a like child. Travel. I, yeah. I like that. I like that. But it's, yeah. it's you know, because some of the pictures, some of the things we see where it's like, I don't know who it is, but some of the pictures I've seen on Instagram, isn't he like trying to be like, like, like a Marvel villain or something like that? Or, yes. Or yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you know, if that's the kind of thing he's going for, or to me, it was almost like like a like a Scarface or Godfather yeah. type thing. Yeah. I think that would fit really well what Rick is saying, where it's like you said, slow down, enunciate. We're gonna take the time and like we're gonna listen. It's, it, and it's you know, like when Jake the Snake talks about his promos about talking quietly, talking slowly. Some guys can do it. You know, they'll do it, but it's not that effective. I think. You know, based on what Rick is saying, if he did that, if he slowed down, worked on the enunciation, I think that would add tremendously to the character, and I think that would hook people more. Okay, I agree. I agree. Um, let's move over now to the next match. That I got to tell you, these are the kind of matches that sort of piss me off because it's a whole lot of nothing, but a whole lot of something going on when there's nothing of importance. Uh, we have Orange Cassidy, Wheeler Utah, and Chuck Taylor taking on Matt Hardy, Private Party, and oh, let's say about 87 other people yeah. who decide to run in, interfere, do stuff. This is the kind of stuff, maybe I sh- maybe just because I've been going to a bunch of indie shows lately, but this is like the indie show where a whole bunch of extra wrestlers showed up and you don't really have anything to do for them. So you have them kind of do these weird interferences and this this whole thing is what the definition of in wrestling what a clusterfuck is it didn't look good it was terrible it didn't have good results uh and i don't think anything was really served was there any purpose served in this match i I would like to know i know matt hardy uh i guess the bottom line here matt hardy used his own uh guy as a battering ram maybe that's going to come back to bite him in the ass later but all the other crap he's done hasn't done it either guys am i really too down on this are you guys seeing the same crap i'm seeing he tried Worst doing that delete thing. He tried doing that delete thing at the beginning. It didn't work. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It was it was the worst match of the night. There was nothing behind yeah. this. Uh just a bunch of, like you said, it was a clusterfuck. A bunch of guys just going out. Oh, you got your gear? Go on out there. Go ahead. All right. All right. You're on the show. No, you don't have your gear? Go ahead anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to do a battle royal or are we going to do the six man with everybody interfering? Ah, we'll do the six man with everybody interfering. (laughs) (laughs) We got an extra couple chicks hanging around. You know, Buddy has nothing to do. Let's let her run. Bunny didn't need to be there. Blade didn't need to be there. It's called WCW booking. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It was just, it was, it was overbooked. And and in the end, it, it didn't really get anybody over. I mean, if, if you want like the, the best you can do out of it is, uh, the whole kind of thing, like where Matt Hardy kind of sneaks the the win and you know can takes all the credit, even though he didn't do that much. But I don't think it, you know, it didn't get him over. It didn't elevate uh, the other guys. It was like you mm-hmm. said, it was just there to throw. But it felt like it was there just to throw guys in, give them some TV time, and that was it. I felt like commentary was trying to get Wheeler Yuta over. I yes. felt like that's what they were. That yeah. the main focus of this match was, and it didn't, it didn't prevail. It didn't. Well, no. Too much garbage was going on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Everyone was glazed over. I mean, they're trying to sell the fact that because he's young and unex- inexperienced now is the only reason he couldn't follow through to do these wins, yeah. which they're promoting him as he's a very talented, just needs a little more experience. And it's like, well, I'm sorry, but nobody has experience about, you know, 87 guys charging the ring and doing crap. 
there's not a lot of experience for that. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to say I agree with you, Rick. This was probably the poorest uh, match of the night. Um, now, before we move on, we're going to take a really quick commercial break here because we have some information to get out to you people. Did you know that we are not the only show that is listening listed on this network that you're listening to? You are listening to WPOV Global. We're the show dedicated to mostly AEW and talking about other wrestling programs. You find us usually on Thursdays on whatever platform you're listening to. There are other shows, though. The flagship show, the WPOV Wrestling, it is hosted by Tony Diaz, the $50 man, Clay Cummings, and our guest today, the third wheel, Rick Serrano III. They talk everything, and I do mean everything, in WWE. Sometimes I'm, they probably talk superstars if you listen long enough. But also, uh, they cover a little bit of AEW, and they'll be covering, as we'll talk about at the end of the show, they'll be covering a lot more AEW coming up. Uh, check them out. They even have their own British correspondent, if you can believe that nonsense. They've got their own British correspondents. We don't even have a guy who'll eat poutine from the States, but they got an American. Ah, okay, anyways. Moving on, we also have WPOV Aftermath. It's a special show that happens after every big pay-per-view. We're going to be trying to do them, I believe, in the future for AEW stuff. But uh, we have them right now for WWE. After each show that uh, happens, uh, the, the big main event, uh, the big pay-per-view, there will be some iteration of any of these hosts. It could be me, could be uh, Rick, could be Elio, could be any of the guys get together we'll talk about what we see tell you if it was worth watching and uh just sort of point you in the right direction if if it was something cool and another show that we do is uh it appears usually on wednesdays it is wpov quarantine featuring me andy and elio where it is a zoom roundtable show that means you can actually watch us see how ridiculous shirts we're wearing uh how shiny our heads can be whatever you get to see it all but Every week we have a different topic and every week we bring on special guests. They log into the Zoom, whether they be journalists, wrestlers, historians, legends, uh, veterans, maybe they're young guys just starting out. They're people who have their opinion about wrestling and we're going to talk about it and, and just talk some really fun stuff. But you can find all those things. And where you know what? I'm going to throw it over to Rick. Rick, tell the people all the fine platforms that are available that people can watch these shows on. I'm going to say it as slowly and clearly as possible. You can oh. find it on iTunes, YouTube, Poppy, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn Radio for free. For free. You forgot YouTube. No, I said YouTube. But don't, don't get me wrong. It's my script. <laughs> iTunes, YouTube, Poppy, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn Radio for free. For free. I like it. I like it. Elio, if people wanted to write in and uh, tell, you know, make any comments, anything, you know, tell me, I don't know, get me in trouble again. Where could they write in? <laughs> You can write to us on Facebook at Wrestling POV Podcast, Instagram at Wrestling POV One, and Twitter at Wrestling POV. Oh, and now I would usually at this because the fourth guy's down there and it's Andy, and I would love to cut to Andy, but I was on the phone today. I brought in a legend to cover the T-shirts. I'm sorry, Andy. Please forgive me. But our good friend Bushwhacker Luke has to talk about seven T-shirts that we are flogging now. Whoa, mateys! It's Bushwhacker Luke coming in for a good licking. I'm with my friends from the Wrestling POV Podcast, mates. I hear they only have one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, but seven. Whoa, seven bloody t-shirts for sale, mate. Can you believe it? 
Tell your mother, tell your brother, ProWrestlingTees.com backslash wrestling POV. Get a t-shirt, get a good licking. Tell them Bushwhacker Luke sent you. Whoa! Oh, thank you, Luke. And we're sure glad we got a million viewers that you could listen to that for. Now, we're going to take a quick little break when we get back. Hey, wait a second. Hey, wait a second. Luke didn't tell you this Bushwhacker, this Hall of Famer, is supposed to be giving us a promo and push and everything. He didn't even tell you how much the shirts were. They're $19.95 each. So look at me upstaging a Hall of Famer legend like Bushwhacker Luke. And if he's got a problem, he knows where I am. He can come and find me. Whoa, Andy is worked. All right, so, uh, we're going to take a quick break. Let Andy calm down a little. And uh, when we get back, we're going to finish off this AEW show. This is Javier Oist. I wrote, write for ProWrestlingStories.com, and you're listening to WPOV Global. All right, we are back. Let's get back into the show. You know what? Uh, we already talked about Andrade. He was the next one up. Very, He's got that cool look. Obviously, we, we all agree. He's got to do something about his voice or... You know, it, it's it's not like we're even being jerks about this. I want to hear what he's saying, and it's an extreme. I'm not sure what kind of accent he has or what, but it's extremely hard to understand anything he's saying. And uh, I'm not sure Shavo has been the best uh, hand as of yet. Maybe that'll grow. Next, we yeah. have on Rick, Rick's favorite female wrestler, Nyla Rose, taking on uh, my favorite wrestler, Chris Statlander. Uh, I thought Ty Conte was your favorite. Shush, don't tell Ty. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell Layla Hirsch either. Anyhow, uh, okay, I've got a whole group of them. Damn it, Andy, why you got to help me like that? Um, So we got actually a match which was a lot shorter than I thought it was going to be. And as much as we're not the biggest Nyla Rose fans, man, she has got to be pummeling down the uh, ratings here. She's taken consistent consecutive losses after losses statlander looking good looking like she's lost a weight i've talked about this last week is she doesn't necessarily look like a monster anymore which could be a detriment now she just looks like a tall lanky girl what happens when you hang out with best friends they take all the food Uh, they fall in the mimosas what what do you mean (laughs) she's so worried she's eating everything no i i don't know (laughs) but uh this match was okay for what it was but uh I don't know. Uh, what do you think of this one, Andy? I agree with what you said. It, it wasn't bad for what it was. Uh, I didn't, you know what? I thought Nyla looked okay. Uh, I thought Chris Satlander looked okay. Uh, you had the early domination by uh, Nyla and, you know, some of the big bumps and whatnot on, on Statlander, but uh, pretty straightforward. The, uh, the, what, the shrieking or whatever, Vicky oh, Guerrero. Wow. Thank God that's not regular. <laughs> That was so annoyingly awesome, and or and, you know, and again, I'm not an Orange Cassidy fan by any stretch of the imagination. But even the way he was selling it, and I was was great. Like that's, I'm surprised that's not something WWE never did back in the day. I mean, you know, they had the excuse me and all that stuff, but just for that straight out, just yeah. you know, it's like I could see WWE would be doing it where they would have the gimmick glass and like glass would be shattering, and you yeah. know, they'd have like a bust of Vince McMahon or something, and just like the thing would just you know, go. So it, you know, I, I appreciate it. I'm like, like you said, I'm glad it's not a, a weekly occurrence, but uh, it, 
I popped for that. And yeah, it, it was, it wasn't a bad match. You know, like we, we talked about our standards of AEW women's matches uh, and it, it was an okay match. It was a decent match. All right. Uh, Rick, what are you thinking of, uh, of Chris Statlander? I think Chris Statlander showed that she is a bad mamma jamma and she's somebody to mess, not to mess with. Uh, I think this could set her up for a big matchup with Jade Cargill. I would love to see those two go at it. I think mm-hmm. uh, the physicality of uh, Chris Statlander is underutilized, and I would love to see more of her aggression. Um, her getting Nyla Rose up in the air and everything was very impressive, and I would love to see more of that. She's definitely reset it a while ago when she first came back. It was just like, ah, oh, man. But I think now she even came out to her own music. That's what we need. We need her to just, yep. even though Orange Cassidy was there, at least mm-hmm. she's getting her wins on her own. She didn't get their help. She got her own music. She showed dominance. Nyla Rose, uh, just like Asuka needed to take a break, I think Nyla Rose needs to take a break, go away for a while, come back, do her little monster thing again, and we'll see something different there. All right. Elio, anything you want to throw in there? Yeah, this this match wasn't bad. I I really I like Chris Stellar. It was a it was good to see her come out with her own music for change. Yeah. And yeah, this wasn't a bad match. I enjoyed it. Now we've been laughing about the young bucks and their goofiness. They're in the back uh, trying to play basketball. These two <laughs> little short guys playing basketball, and they're saying how they're great. They're the greatest. And one of them goes to do a layup. And out comes Luchasaurus to swat it down. And it was sort of funny because at first glance, it's like, is he stepping on that? Like, <laughs> buck? which I thought it would have been funnier if he was like stepping on the foot of one of them. But no, they just sort of reminded them that they're coming up and they walk by. Kind of a goofy throwaway segment. So I don't know if we need to really talk too much about it. But I, I got a chuckle. I chuckled. I thought it was yeah. funny. Yeah. It, it was funny. Um, it makes me want to see those four go in a tag team title match next week. <laughs> Man, oh man. Ooh, you're a Tony Khan stooge. All right. Uh, <laughs> forgot to mention, why does he always use that? We didn't bring his name up, but why does Don Callis have the same four words that he's got to use constantly? He always has to call someone a stooge. You know, he's always got to do these insider kind of wrestling terms. That, and that's exactly why. That's his shtick, is he's, he's, yeah, he's speaking say, yeah. like he's smart. Yeah. 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 It's awful. I was gonna say, ass awful. Ass. Twenty awful. years ago, maybe. I mean, like, you know, he's never. I've never been a fan. Like, maybe that worked yeah. a little more twenty years ago. But now, with, with everybody having access to the internet on their phones and right yeah. there, like, it, it's to me, it's tired. It's again, it's not heat. It's go away. It's just shut up. Okay. <laughs> but um, I will say this about Don Callis: I prefer his go away heat over the cheap heat that MJF tries to get and several mm-hmm. others on AEW tried to get. So I definitely appreciate that way more. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's more difficult to get to do go away heat. I mean, yeah. I feel like it's it's easy, but it's more difficult than doing cheap heat where it's just like fuck you that's guys. Fair. You guys suck. You guys yeah it's just like but, yeah that's fair. I think yeah. a lot of people would disagree with about MJF, though. I think there's still a lot. Of I people don't know, TJ. I don't know what it I is. I don't agree either. I'm about this too. guy, but mm-hmm. it's not even about being sick of him. It's just like, what is he doing that people are just like, 
this is such good shit to take a word out of Vince McMahon's mouth. But what is it that he does that they they gravitate to? And you know, I, I'm gonna bring it up. Max Caster also got suspended. <laughs> he got suspended for two months, and he has to go yeah. to uh, sensitivity training because of what he did a couple couple weeks ago. And mm-hmm. it's just like that cheap heat. It just doesn't belong in the sport. It, 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 everybody knows mm-hmm. I, I can push a button. I can push this button, and I'm going to get a reaction. But it's so much more. I, I'm just a huge fan of psychology and wrestling, and it just mm-hmm. pisses me off when people step up. And I'm a heel manager, and i am been part of the business, and it's just like there are just things where you're just like, you got to work for it. Earn that heat. Yeah, but I I think Max Caster is a bad example because until this particular incident, uh, he always had this great way of straddling the almost cheap heat, but not making it be like where you went, ooh, I can't believe he went there, which is what you kind of like want, right? And it's a very fine line. It's a very easy step to go from, oh, that was nasty to that was fucking nasty, man. That ain't cool. You know what I mean? It's a very fine line. But that, and, uh, that's just it, though, because it is a fine line. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's why, and it's, it, sorry, it's why Max Caster succeeds, because if he doesn't step over the line, he's seen as refreshing, different, and brilliant. And I think the problem with MJF is he tends to, people see him, he has the perception that he is constantly straddling the line and not actually going over it. So they can accept him to that thing. So a lot of people have it. I don't agree with it, but a lot of people seem to think that he's mastered the whole art of taking it right to the line and not crossing it. Yeah. So that, that, that's my take <laughs> on those two. <laughs> Cause I don't, I also don't agree, Rick. He's, he doesn't do much for me, but just about every wrestler, everybody around just yeah. talks nothing but praise about him. Yeah. So we just might be douchebags who want to disagree with people because we're that way. Maybe that's me and you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so we go on with, okay, I always find this situation. This is a fucked up situation, okay? When you get somebody like Dr. Britt Baker, who is trying to be the bad guy when there's no point. She's so obviously that the fans love her. Mm-hmm. That now you sort of in a way are sacrificing a actual face in the form of red velvet throwing her to the wolves because they love baker so much there's nothing this poor girl can do that she is going to have anyone on her side i don't like that situation at all i think that puts her in a bad a bad light what do you guys think yes you with the beard where i have the <laughs> this is where we have a tremendous issue of not having baby traditional baby yeah. faces and heels because you know that if this was WWE and Britt Baker was coming out to a WWE ring in her hometown of Pittsburgh she would do no, not just that she make it loose. They would, she would do her first thirty seconds or her first minute of her promo, putting over being from Pittsburgh and the black and gold and this and that, and then turning it around on everybody, and yeah. then becoming the heel by pissing on her home crowd. Yes, and yes, that's what that's what was missing from that. And, and I mean, you're right. Like it's you got to feel feel bad for red velvet i mean even if they weren't in pittsburgh she it's like you said Britt baker's already the baby face because she's just you know she's got that talent and charisma and and people are behind her but 
you know, not a snowball's chance in hell for, for Red Velvet in Pittsburgh. And the fact no. that they just go, they just go with it and, and let her be, you know, the better face in her hometown. Yeah. Horrible. It's horrible. What, there's an easy out to this whole thing, though. Which and is? It, it, it's Britt Baker is from Pittsburgh. You got her wearing Pittsburgh Pirates logo and the Pittsburgh Penguin logo on her. She's wearing the colors. Take the terrible towel and step on it. And you got heat right there. So magnifying because that is the symbol of Pittsburgh. You get this magma heat and you just step on it. And you just say, these teams suck. This city sucks. The only good thing about Pittsburgh is me. And I'm, and I'm going to take this title and I'm going to leave this town as quickly as possible. And I'm going to yep. do it at, 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 at the expense of Red Velvet. That's all you got to do. But oh, she, Rick Serrano, but before you even step on it, I would have it like this, and I would tell you what I wipe. think about those town and these teams. I would wipe my ass with it yes. and then throw it on the floor. Yes, absolutely. I agree. Okay. okay. And, and the worst thing Red Velvet did in this whole uh, promo, she mm-hmm. went out there yeah. and she attacked Rick yeah. Baker. That's the yeah. dumbest thing you could have done. This, yeah. this, yeah. this, the, t- the whole arena is eating everything she's saying. You right. co- yeah. now you look like a heel. You're a bona fide heel right now. There's no exactly. way you get out of that. So, well the, well, the only problem I have with your guys' scenario here, which you were talking about, to turn her, you know, against the crowd, is that works in Pittsburgh. It doesn't work anywhere else north america watching this show i don't give two shits if he wipes her ass with the pittsburgh penguins thing every Uh, town she comes to she does it same thing but let's address why they don't do it because she is an organic face which they don't want to admit that there isn't really a lot of people who've managed to have the fans latch onto them without you trying to force them or manipulate them People just started gravitating towards her. She's and stone it was a cold natural thing. at this point. What's that? She's stone cold at this point. That's what I've been yeah. saying. Yeah. yeah. So I really think the thing here is use her more like stone cold. Quit giving her good guys. Give her tweeners. Give her ultimate bad guys. Give her the stuff that she can... You know, yep. and, and have the disdain like Stone Cold did afterwards. He did it. Oh, wow. I don't give a crap what you people say. Blah, blah, blah. You know, that would work a lot better because all the because you know what's going to happen here now. You, you, you're right. Red Velvet runs out there. She looks like a heel. She's treated like a heel. Yet they are not going to change her or book her any different afterwards. So it's going to make her look less. And the worst part of this whole thing, Tony Giovanni with this DMD shit. He should make it seem like it makes him want to throw up at the thought of doing that. Th- that mm-hmm. she's forcing him to do this. That should be it. But he's all up there like, oh, yeah. Are we going to do it? Are we going to do it now, Britt Baker? DMD. Yes, here we are. DMD. But, yeah. but to go back, see, but to go back, and, and, and TJ, I agree with you. If they were going to mm-hmm. do that, totally, I wouldn't be doing those promos. But because yeah. they're not, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, that that's what would need that's what needs to be done and and to, to rick's point you know using the stone cold analogy absolutely like if you're gonna make them buddy buddy that's like a jr and and stone cold yeah tony Shavani and Britt baker so yep. like and, and if, you, if you're gonna run with it run with it 
So yep. when did the switch happen? This is all Tony Schiavone's fault because they went from remember he was like getting notes and being forced to read things. And yes. Yep. Like shit. To the next day, she's hugging him and they're best friends for real. Bringing him Starbucks and all that shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so there's just like I'm just gonna have to say there's some kind of piss poor storytelling here because things just shifted gears when they really shouldn't have shifted gears. Yeah. Um, so how. How do you deal and how do you carry her into the future, I guess, is the biggest question here, right? Um, I, In my opinion, we you either stone cold her or you just let her become a face total. You know, yeah. I, I, I think it's confusing and it's a little bit harmful to the other women members of the roster who are going to have to interact with her because they're very unclear what she is. And in doing so, it makes them very unclear what they are, and it takes away from whatever they're trying to do. So I think it's a it's a bit of a, a problem that they can address easily. You guys have come up with some great solutions to address this problem and make it work, but it sure doesn't seem like they want to go that way, does it? Why would they? They don't have heels and faces. <laughs> at, the end, at the end of the day, that's what it is. Yeah. They don't have heels and faces. So what, what difference does it make? I call bullshit. I say they said that, but bullshit. <laughs> they believe in heels and faces. So, you know, sure the only thing, like you're watching their programs. The only thing they, they have about heel and faces is the entrances. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, uh... the, which way you come in. And you know how you can tell who the heels and the faces are? Is every big face has uh, Tony Khan has purchased music for them. Yeah. <laughs> no, am I not Moxley, uh, Jungle Boy, uh, Orange, Cassidy. Uh, Orange Cassidy? All the big faces all have real music purchased for them, and I guess that's how you tell the good guys from the bad guys. You know, yeah. Cody, he just went out and got an orchestra to do his whole shit. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> we don't even, he wasn't on the show. We don't even have to bring him up. We already brought him up yeah. twice. No more Cody. <laughs> Okay, no more Cody, no more Cody. All right, so yes, we have Red Velvet looking a bit of a, making her to be made looking like a douche. Uh, next, speaking of douches, uh, we have um, Taz. <laughs> and specifically, I know, Rick, I know you love this guy, but Hook actually got to stick yeah. his face in the camera and do some kind of neck thing. Oh, he would look tough there. He looked like a 16-year-old <laughs> that someone took his Doritos mad. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to do my Facebook uh, promo and show you what a badass I am on my profile. It, it, if you look at the back, Taz and Ricky Starks are just like, yeah, that's it, Hook. Yeah, man. You should. It's like, what? You're hooking <laughs> on Hook. <laughs> um, the one thing I hated about this promo the most, well, there was a lot of things to hate about promos <laughs> involving Brian Cage, but Brian Cage, Ricky Starks, I hate the fact is Ricky Starks on his own really stands out. He seems like he could be something. Did you notice in this promo, if you were just to close your eyes for a sec, you had no idea which one was talking. They kind of sound like they're saying the same crap, the same voice, the same way. Uh, it was like, uh, which one said that? You know, and after a while you realize it doesn't matter which one said it. It's just nonsense. This, they're fighting over nothing. Really? The FTL, the FTW belt? I don't give a fuck about fuck the world belt. That's yeah, Rick, fighting over ahead. an imaginary championship. Yeah, from some imaginary guys. <laughs> this, this, the FTW title is like the equivalent of when fans bring their titles yes. to the match. <laughs> yeah, and like, hey, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna grab this kid's title from the front row, and I'm gonna start defending it. Yes. Oh, I hope Kurt's not listening. All right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Rick. You look like you want to say something about this. Uh, I got to say, who better than Brian Cage? I mean, honestly, I like Brian Cage. There, really? I said it. I really enjoy him. I really Elio, do. Elio, can think... you kick him out of this room? <laughs> I really think he has Your so much potential. Only Rick. You know what it is, though? Um, uh, with him, I and I, I want to compare him to Bronson Reed. Uh, okay. Bronson Reed is only six foot tall, so mm-hmm. and he's just big and girthy. So when he's standing yeah. around these other smaller guys, it makes him look like a giant on NXT. But mm-hmm. then when you look at Brian Cage, he's also big and but he's muscular, you know. But, but when you short. put him with Ricky, he's short, and you yeah. put him with a taller guy like Ricky Starks, who's lanky and tall. It doesn't look right. You're just like, well, yeah. this doesn't seem yeah. fair at all to Brian Cage. So you got to give Brian Cage one of these smaller guys from AEW, have him do some dominance. And I would love, honestly, I would love to see uh, Brian Cage and Miro at one point. I think that okay. will, will give us a good showing. Cool. Okay. Yeah, they definitely got a power game going on there. That's for yeah. sure. That would be interesting. Uh, okay. Uh, next, uh, the Good Brothers – against evil ono and Stu grayson um i gotta tell you guys i had like little interest or hope about this match uh going in uh i always find that the good brothers especially lately i love them in new japan i'm just hating everything they're doing uh north america wise and it'd been a long time since i saw uno and grayson but i gotta say i actually enjoyed uno and grayson a lot this match and uh, I kind of got my, I, I kind of like, I never saw them before in the light of what do people see in these guys? I think I started to see a little bit of what people see in them. And I was a little bit won over by them. And it did really seem like the commentary was finally pushing them as they could be a team to take a run at stuff. Uh, in the end, the good brothers still get the win after some really, I got to say that was some oh. piss uh, yep. sequencing at the end to make this happen. Uh, going so far as uh who was a was a Grayson who like graciously waited at least ten seconds standing there for uh, Doc Gallows to come up and gingerly push him off? Um, just I don't know what it is why these guys do not click anymore in North American audience. Maybe their style is more set for Japanese style and they're holding back. But I, I'm not, especially Doc Gallows. Doc Gallows for a guy that big sure does not seem anything impressive, intimidating, or anything. So uh, your guys' opinion on this? This was just a regular match to me. I didn't think of anything spectacular. I honestly really wanted Dark Order to have a little more purpose in this match. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they did do is they did tell a little bit of a story with Dark Order. And it was like, mm-hmm. well, you see, there's, there's, they're not all out here because of Adam Page and because of what happened last week with them not coming out to help him. So uh, I like that. Mm -hmm. I'm hopeful that this is going to lead to a big payday for the dark water. Like something we, we got the Bray Wyatt release. Maybe he comes into AEW takes over as the leader of the house. It'll be something I would definitely want to see. But dark water needs a makeup needs to be spun upside down and changed a lot. So Hopefully did that you, happens. Did you see anything better in them as a team out of this? Like, did, did they win you over as an actual team or were they still? Oh, like- I, they've always, they've always won well, me over. Have, I love okay. Stu Grayson and Evil Uno as the top. I think they're the yeah. top tag team in the Dark Order, in my okay. opinion. All right, Andy, what do you think of this? I'm along the lines of Rick. Uh, standard match. I, I was hoping for a little more, but eh, it, it was what it was. 
mm-hmm. I thought, uh, yeah, I thought Stu Grace and Evil Uno put on a, a, a good showing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, and to what Rick said, you know, that's it's maybe this match was more about kind of what we didn't see in terms of the rest of the Dark Order there, uh, mm-hmm. instead of just being about the the Impact titles. So, okay. Elio, I want to I want to ask you, Elio, quick two questions. First of all, are you digging what uh, Evil Uno and Grayson have done for the last six months? And did this match change any of that perception of what you've seen them as? As or are they still in your mind a great team? Like, what do you see them as? Well, the, uh, so Stu Grayson and uh, Evil Uno are the, are the first two that we saw when Dark Order mm-hmm. showed up. So yeah. Um, I like the mess of the team, and uh, this this match was just a match for me. It was a good match, and it was good to see them uh, teaming up. Because uh, uh, we haven't seen them, uh, we hadn't seen this team them teaming in a while, so it was good to see okay. them. And I'm not, yeah, I'm not a fan of like what Gallows and Anderson are doing. Okay, I got a quick question then. Um, so for you guys. Um, Am I wrong about Gallows? Uh, am I wrong about Gallows and Anderson? Like, because it seems like every time I see them on the upcoming of the show or a thing, I just kind of groan a little bit, thinking I wish there was just about any other tag team wrestling that night. Yeah. Am I being unfair? No. Or have they just been that brutal in the last? I, I just, I, I just don't like what they're doing lately. Uh, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So you know what? Uh, I have not, I've seen this Camilla girl, the NWA uh, women champion. I've seen her back when she was Nick Aldis's um, bodyguard. Valet, she would stand in the background and, uh, you know, not do it, not do anything. And I used to think, wow, what an amazingly good looking woman. Why isn't she do more? And then she shows up last week uh, in the audience and she's now the NWA champion. I did not know that because I don't really follow the NWA enough. Mm -hmm. She comes out, she's extremely tall. I'm thinking, wow, she's extremely good looking. Why isn't she in like one of the big companies? Then today she spoke and I realized why. Oh, wow. Zero charisma for a beautiful lady. She has zero charisma and awkward speaking skills. And, um, wow. Did never have I wanted four foot eleven uh, Layla Hirsch to run her out <laughs> as much as See, listening to this girl talk. This is why she never spoke in the NWA because I started watching the NWA Power when they it first started. Yeah, and they would always have her and Nick Aldis out there, and every time uh, that whoever was the commentator guy would uh, go and ask her a question, Nick Aldis would just kind of cut her off and. Uh, yes, that was just stick. Yeah. Wow. Dare I say she's NWA's Eva Marie. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, kind of like she never really gets to perform? Yeah, and then the fact that she, when she does talk, it's just like, ugh, you don't want to hear it anymore. Like, I get the fact she's, like, enormously big and muscular. I find her super attractive, but it's not enough. I mean, when you talk and it and, and it just sucks the air out of the room, it's like... Oh, and it makes me think, why, Tony? Why did you let her talk? Why did Tony Khan think this was a good idea? Obviously, the NWA know what they're doing. Why not have someone step in and like, no, no, I got this for you, Camilla. (laughs) (laughs) Our manager, somebody come out and talk. Uh, Andy, am I being being a douche here? uh, I don't know. Douche is right where, but it (laughs) felt to me... (laughs) 
okay, I bet that and like not it. No, like she, I like it's not. You know, I don't think she's that bad. But it it mm-hmm. felt like watching uh, one of those segments from like a Miss America pageant. Yes, mm-hmm. a girl who doesn't really know the question and answering it. Yeah, that's kind of how it felt to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it it's. You know, maybe maybe there's something with with these big muscular girls. I mean, you know, we, we've talked about Jade Cargill and and her promo mm-hmm. skills, and now you have this girl and her promo skills. Uh, they both got silver hair. <laughs> sewer hair? What does that mean? Silver hair. Silver oh, hair. silver hair! I thought you said sewer hair. I'm like, what's sewer hair? Is it? Am I missing something? Is this an American thing? Like a pat rat with a pizza? Like, am I missing something? <laughs> no, that's New York hair. That's what that is. Do, do the New York thing for me, Andy. The folks won't be able to see it, but do the New York thing with Rick's on. I'm from New York. Yada 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 yada. <laughs> Rick's like, I would be cutting all three of you off right now if I had control. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, it's 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 her. You know, it, she needs definitely needs work. But uh, yeah, I think you're right. Like it's. Go Layla Hirsch. (laughs) (laughs) I think the problem too is this, is the translation from small time to big time. As much as the NWA is a cool thing, it's a small time show, okay? And uh, the thing is, sometimes in the small time, you work with what you've got, right? You know when a dude probably should never be in the main event. You know when a dude should go out and do this or that. And obviously being around her, and being around, you know, like they realize that the, the lady doesn't have enough skills to carry a mic conversation. So it's best. She's an awesome looking uh, background piece that like, ooh, and we all want to hear it. But if we don't ever get it, we still want to hear it more. Right. Because to be honest, as beautiful as I thought she was, now that she's talked, I don't want to see her or hear her anymore. And that's the last thing you want. Right. Um, but then. We get places like AEW has been bad for that, where they've taken a guy just because he's humongous and they give him a, a slot and a, and, and a microphone. And you're like, whoa, this dude should not be talking. <laughs> Jade Cargill should not be talking at the moment. Um, they need practice. They need things, you know. Remember Wardlow in the beginning did not, should not be talking on the mic. He still probably shouldn't be talking on the mic. But it seems like because in these bigger productions like AEW, they don't take enough time to really get to know the talent. They just look like, well, he's bigger than everyone else we have on the card because everyone's not that big. So let the giant talk. I don't know about that. Rick, Uh, were you going to say something? Because you look like you're going to say something. Yeah. Oh, no, that's just how I look. Oh, always like you're thinking? (laughs) Okay, well, no, no, because I had something to to say to that, though, but I I just want to make sure I wasn't going to cut you off. Yeah. It's, to me, something like this, and, it, and it's often criticized and maybe it's we have to find the balance of in between because, you know, we talk about how back in the territory days, guys yeah. had chances to hone the characters and the promo skills and this and that. And if someone from like Memphis came to Florida, you could tell that the Memphis, you know, the Memphis guy was not a Florida guy. You could tell he was from Memphis or if he was from Continental, if he was from Stampede or whatever. And, and for as much as people criticize WWE and WWE style, one thing that you hear them talk about is like, it's like, okay, well, uh, Samoa Joe or AJ Styles or maybe AJ because AJ came right in, but but Samoa Joe or Sami Zayn or Kevin Steen, they come in, they go through NXT so they can learn 
WWE style. Mm -hmm. And when you have, you know, WWE television, you know, you mentioned Eva Marina. It's like, okay, like some people are obviously better than others on the mic, but there's still so much more polished professionalism, Mm -hmm. uh, how they speak, what they talk about, you know, and if we're going to say that's WWE style, at least it's something consistent because what it seems like with AEW is, well, we're going to let these individual personalities have their chance to, you know, to have the microphone and it doesn't work mm-hmm. because, you know, we get these indie-rific showings that really exposes AEW and exposes the individuals for, for not being that elite class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm that they're trying to put over or, you know, like the, as far as competition wise from, from AEW and it, it you know, it's, it, you're, you're right. And it's something that needs to be heavily, like more heavily focused on mm-hmm. uh, at least to me backstage with AEW where they're working on these, you know, if they, if they don't, I'm assuming they don't, they, they need to have the promo classes. They need to have, you know, there's certain things that, you know, we're going to say, we're not going to say, you know, you might not give them scripted promos like they get in WWE, but there needs to be some consistency to bring these people at a similar level. Otherwise, you know, you're going to have an, an MJF who, you know, like him or don't like, but he, the guy can talk versus, you know, we say like a, like a Jade Cargill, or I'm sure if you put any of these, just put any of these other guys on the microphone, these younger guys, you know, if it's sink or swim, they're going to sink. Yes. Yeah. And that's something important to point out is as much as we can rag on the WWE, when they present people, especially in the position of being able to talk and do stuff, they give them the tools to be able to succeed. Unfortunately, and some people may think it's great like the Old West, is AEW, it's sink or swim, man. And it's all great if you're going to swim and look awesome like MJF, you can raise the thing. What happens with poor Dante Martin? They hand him the mic when he's never had it anymore. All of a sudden, a guy who's a great wrestler looks a lot less. Like this Camilla chick, I've seen her work. She's pretty good. She's big. She does that role great. But now that she's talked and exposed that part, it really doesn't make me want to see her anymore. And and that's a danger. Because wrestling it's, isn't just a real athletic event, right? Yeah. And, it's, but the, and going back to what I said, though, it's not just her. Like to me, it brings your overall product down. Because if you get someone mm-hmm. flipping the channels... Yes. You know, on a Monday night and they see Monday Night Raw and you see Bailey talking, you see uh, Roman Reigns or Sasha Banks or, you know, whoever, mm-hmm. it's going to, you know, whether or not it's a good promo or not, fine. But it's going to be well done, though. The, the, yeah, the, the speaking skills, the promo skills will be there. If I flip AEW and, and I'm seeing Jade Cargill and, and I'm seeing uh, Camilla or I'm seeing some of these other young guys, it's like, man, like, you know, if for that that 10, 15 seconds, yeah. maybe less, it's like this is Bush League. And yeah. that's it, you're done. It's the Yeehaw, Yeehaw Wrestling League, like yeah. exactly. Yeah. Okay, I agree with this that. This is WWF. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess we all kind of unfortunately because she they gave her that time and let her sink, probably everyone's thinking, Hey, go Layla, please don't let her be on our television. Um moving on to like I'm sure this is the one thing that nobody really gives a shit about for the longest time. It involves things that nobody cares about. QT Marshall and his students. We're kind of over it. He, he's never shown enough to make it interesting. 
Now we have Tony Giovanni, who we see like 20, 30 times already in the show, is now in his storyline mode because he's going to get an apology for having a protein drink poured on him. Uh, this, of course, anybody could see this coming a mile away that this was not going to end well for Tony at all that this was definitely a setup for some sort of humiliation by QT and probably someone was going to come out and do the rescue and start the new feud forward. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, in the end, Paul White, who, as far as I knew, wasn't he supposed to be a pro, uh, like um, a commentator on uh, elevation on elevation. Yeah. And now he's out there choke slamming people. Uh, Tony, who I did not know had a son who's a wrestling trainer training school. Sorry. Uh, gets grabbed by QT, dragged in the ring, and uh, gets worked over a bit before Paul White comes out and destroys one member. Uh, and who's the guy? What's that guy's name? Aaron Solo, right? Yeah. 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 Do you know who he is, Rick? No. Aaron Solo. What is his? Which I thought you would know this one for sure, but that's Bailey's ex-boyfriend, the one she dated. Oh from. yes, 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 yeah. yes. Yeah. So, Twinkie, okay. hello. <laughs> Ding dong, hello. <laughs> um. But here's the thing, right? There's a few things coming out of this. If we're going to see Paul White, do we really give a crap if it's against QT Marshall? I mean, I is this what you want to see him do? I'll tell you what. I popped. Yeah. I popped. Did you really? I did. I Paul White did came not. out, walking down mm -hmm. to the ring. I'm like, oh, he about to mess somebody up. And then mm -hmm. he choke slammed that, that Bailey's ex to hell. To <laughs> hell with him. And yeah. then, and now with QT Marshall, I want to see Big Show Paul White go one more time. I'll see it. Fine. Let's do, let's do one more run. Let's do it. QT is never going to not have a paycheck because everyone wants to see him get beaten. Yes. Uh, I just want to see, I just want to see anyone well, beat QT Marshall up. I just want him to be off my TV. I don't want to even <laughs> have time to see him wrestle, but how are you feeling on this, Andy? Uh, I have a couple of points. One, I don't see it being a one-on-one. -on -one. I see it being a handicap match. Okay. Okay. Whenever it happens, that just and how does like how does this put anyone over besides the guy who's retired now? <laughs> uh, I never said anything about putting anybody over. I just said that this is what I'm kind of seeing out of this. Okay. The other, actually, like to me, even more of an issue than Paul White coming out that I had with this. Like you, I didn't realize Tony Schiavone had a son. But when it's like, oh, my gosh, they attacked Tony Schiavone's kid. When you say kid and it's yeah. a, a man grown with a man. full, <laughs> full grown beard. Yeah. I'm sorry. There is zero sympathy. Like, <laughs> you know, Monday Night Raw, yeah. MVP goes after Goldberg's kid. You know, whatever he is, 13, 14, it's a kid. Yeah. You know, when you, <laughs> they should have, oh no, they've gone after Tony Schiavone's uh, full grown son, adult son. <laughs> <laughs> like, like there's just no sympathy to be had there. Like, yeah. I, I get, okay, he's training to be, whether he's training to be a wrestler, whether he was just pulled out of the crowd, it's still like an adult man with mm -hmm. a full grown beard. So it's <laughs> like, how, I'm sorry, like, Really, you want me to have sympathy for this? Yeah, just, I, that's that's even before even before Paul White coming out. That's where they lost me. Mm -hmm. You said kid, and, they, and then it's an adult. Yeah, and they they lost me for that because they had me for one sec when they're like, "Oh my God, he's going after his kid." 
because uh, I have a kid. I thought it was going to be some small individual. And then when there was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. it just like took it all out. Oh, that dude is bigger than me. <laughs> it's the equivalent. And I'm sure we're like this. And I'm almost guaranteeing 99.9% of our listeners are in the same vein. It is like watching a movie. And there's one of the characters is running and they've got a dog and like the monsters chasing them. And you're like, oh, my gosh, please don't get the dog. Please don't get the dog. It's like the human can die. Don't get the dog. And then the human, you know, and then something happens and you're like, what happened? And then it's like you see the dog running away and you're like, oh, thank goodness. Yeah. And you don't care about the guy. That's how it was with Tony Schiavone's kid. True. <laughs> True. In, in fact, if you just made me think of any of you guys see snakes on a plane? Yes. Yep. Wasn't the best part when the, he, the, the snake was coming at the one guy and he grabbed that girl's dog and hucked it in its mouth? <laughs> Sorry, it just made me think of that. Mm -hmm. I'm a terrible person. That All just right, totally went against everything I said. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right, let's go to now to the main event. The fourth labor of Chris Jericho. We've been a long road here with this Chris Jericho stuff. Tonight, he comes out and faces Wardlow. Now, here's where it was funny, because there was such confusion last week. They told us that uh, MJF was going to be the referee. Then he wasn't. And then they made something about, I saw some stuff online where they're like, how unfair is this? And so people were very confused. They actually, there were people who thought that uh, MJF was going to be the referee. That was part of the thing. Even I started to think that when I saw stuff online. But uh, I'm glad it was just a regular match. Um it was a lot shorter of a match than I expected for him to be to, for Wardlow to lose in, um, which we had the foreshadowing in the beginning where of course uh, MJF being a total a jerk to Wardlow at the very end, like better not lose this time. Like he did to Cody. Um, the funny part about this, it was only about 10 or 11 minutes maybe. And I don't remember a lot happening in it except some really terrible Sloppy. stuff. Rick, I'm going to let you go on this because we're not happy. Yeah, no, man. The gorilla press on the outside when Wardlow had him up, he didn't know what to do with him. And then the commentary tried to save it by saying, oh, he slammed him into the turnbuckle and then dropped him on the apron. No, he sat him down on the apron. He didn't know what the <laughs> fuck to do with him at that point. So I, I just had to say it was just stupid, 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 stupid. It was just so stupid. Like, what are you guys doing here? Like, this is supposed to be the... Like, I listened to your show last week, and you guys are absolutely right. Nick Gage should have been the fourth one. There's no reason why Wardlow should have been fourth. You know? Hooventoo should never have been on the, on the top five list. Uh, yeah. Sean Spears at number one, fine. You know what? Hoovy at number two, fine. Wardlow at number three, good. Nick Gage at number four, Yes. And then MJF yeah. at number five. This is, it makes no sense for having Wardlow, somebody that we've seen getting beaten on a regular basis on AEW television. Um, mm -hmm. This match was the sloppy ending with the baseball bat, Jericho talking to him, telling Wardlow, go back, go back. And he goes back to the referee and he comes back and then he hits him with the bat in a sloppy manner. He can't hit the Judas effect effectively. Thank God they got that stipulation that he can't use it. Because when he does the Judas effect, he always trips and he falls yeah. down with the guy. Like to make that move look effective, you gotta hit him and stay standing up. You you go down with them and you trip down. It's just like 
you, you didn't hit him as hard as you could because mm-hmm. your body went with it. So yeah. eh, just it was just piss poor match. This was my second worst match of the night. I'm not looking forward to next week. The only thing I am looking forward to for next week is the crowd singing Judas. Yeah. Because they are going to yep. they're going to sing it regardless. And uh yep. it, that's gonna be the best part. Other than that, okay. this was shit. Elio. Tell me what you oh, think about this match and the, the labors of Jericho. <laughs> they did this all backwards. I even said Nick Gage should have been the fourth labor and the Wardlow should have been the third or the second or whatever. But yeah, this whole match was just sloppy. Okay. And, and with that ending, it, it, it wasn't good. My second worst match. Andy, you want to tackle any of this? The instead of calling this the five labors of Jericho, this should be the fans' labor of Jericho <laughs> having to deal with all this. Uh, to me, I mean, you know, and, and I and I don't like to be critical, but Jericho you? just I know, but like Jericho just looked heavy again, like not so bloated in the face, but just like his stomach and everything. Like I yeah. know sometimes he poses the photos and he's still able to like pop the abs, but I mean, it's just. He, I don't know if he's got to change the ring gear or what he's got to do, but it just, it, it he, it, I, I, it yeah, he does, doesn't look good for me. Uh, you know, and, and to me to essentially make this a squash squash match with him kind of sliding over, I don't, it, you know, it didn't really make me get behind Jericho. It did, I don't think it really did a lot for, for Wardlow. Uh, the sloppiness was already mentioned. The, the, press slam into the ring post uh i think a boop on the nose from chris statlander is probably stiffer than uh the ring post gorilla press slam uh i don't know i think we'll just be glad when this when this thing is over because mm-hmm. I, I don't even want to say this is really a good idea on paper because for you know you write this down and it, it's it's like we said like you know, as much as I don't like being the armchair booker, like, man, like, yeah, like, it just, it, it's not making a lot of sense. I don't think it's really doing anything for anybody. It's not elevating anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I, it, it's, yeah, it was, it was, it was disappointing. And Rick's right about the Judas effect and then him falling down. Um, soon as they announced, you know, no music, that was the very first thing I thought of is, yep, they just want to have the people sing it. Yeah, and uh, and you know what? Good on him because because that that will probably look cool. It, it'll yeah, probably yeah. it'll probably go over well. Um, and me and Elliot I mean, will be singing along. There you go. <laughs> but like, really, it's like, oh, well, you can't do the Judas effect. But I mean, doesn't he have like a thousand and four moves? <laughs> That's true. So you know, walls of Jericho, code breaker. What? Uh, yeah. It just now, here's the he's going to end up doing MJF. Oh, yeah, that's probably what's going to happen because it's a pretty easy move. What is MJF's move? Uh, the, the, the arm bar. Now, here's the things that I've, I've had real problems with the, the labors of Jericho. I get what the intention was. The intention was to make Jericho look a little stronger, but also to, to give him that kind of story where he's being worn down, you know, uh, MJF is manipulating everything so he doesn't have to fight a full uh, full at strength Chris Jericho. That's the storyline, right? Yeah. The problem is Jericho has looked 
bored, tired, and out of it since match one. And he hasn't looked like a strong guy who's gotten weaker. He's looked like a strong guy who's just held on for four matches and managed to get a win. And so that didn't do anything. It didn't elevate Jericho for a last run, for a last hurrah, the, the veteran who still got it in him. Because most of the times we're questioning if he's got it in him now. You know what I mean? And yeah. I don't think that was a good intention. The other thing is, and I've, I've never talked about this. I've always just bit my tongue. But I'm sorry. The Judas effect is the stupidest move in the world. He's only used this since the, the inner circle thing. It's just a guy leaning in with his elbow. And they treat it like it's like he's killing people. Yet you watch it, you know? It's like the old day of watching the abdominal stretch, a movie you knew that meant nothing, could do nothing. It's just a pose. So, or the leg drop. Yeah, you know? Um, you, you watch these things. And the part about wrestling is, what makes a great hold somewhat effective is if it looks like in your mind, just even if your mind for a second could say, wow, that could hurt. Or, you know, if he just did that, you know? If you could just make you for a second believe the move would hurt, you've won. But when you're doing an elbow, and like Rick says, and you fall over, it's obvious that there's no moment, you know, there's no weight to it. You're just spinning around and holding your arm up and gingerly tapping someone if it's going to actually make you trip and fall. So it takes all this out. So to hear that you're going to take out, oh, that's his big stipulation. You can't use the weakest, phoniest looking move that you've ever done in your life, Chris Jericho. For a guy who's got 8 million other moves, pretty poor thinking <laughs> logically on MJF's half. So I'm sorry. This storyline has not done it for me. The labors of Jericho, I think. Uh, Andy does, wins the internet tonight by calling it, you know, the the fan, the labor for the fans. The fans you know? labor of Jericho. Yeah, it's yikes. It's yikes. And this, I thought, was a pretty poor match. Was, you know, it wasn't, at least it didn't suffer from how bad the, the best friends match was, you know, at least it didn't, it didn't have the indie rific schmoz, but it's yeah. still a poor match. Now I'm going to have to ask you guys, if we're going to do this as a report card and, and rate today's thing, after all we've talked can I, about. Can I just throw in one last, yeah. one last thing though, about this though, yeah. you yeah. know, we're talking with the labors of Jericho and the rematch for next week. So mm -hmm. let me throw this question out to each of you. Who goes over in that match next week? Chris Jericho. It's a vanity thing. He goes over. Jericho. Uh, MJF, I think. I think Jericho's done. Okay. I think, I think he loses and he acts for one more match. And MJF mm -hmm. says, well, if we're going to have one more match, then we got to make a bigger stipulation. And you've, you retire if you lose again. And I think that's what's going to happen. And then okay. do they bring in Lance Storm for that last match? Hey, why not? That's how that's how they said they want to retire, right? Like that's supposed to yeah. be that was their first match. That's supposed to be their last match. I, I I'm going Rick's route. I'm not I mean not necessarily about the whole, you know, what happens Story. after. <laughs> but uh not that that's a bad idea, but like to me, MJF needs to go over. You know, because it's more about building him. And you know, and then Jericho can say it's like, okay, well, you know, he was already weakened. But if Jericho goes over, even if it's by nefarious means. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, that does nothing for MJF. That does nothing for the pinnacle. That just shoots all of that to to hell, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Because, but it looks like they haven't cared about that in the past, right? Like they're letting Jericho win stuff, and 
at the expense of others. That that's the only thing I worry about. Like I don't want him to win, but I think it's a vanity thing for him. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess we'll find out. Yeah, no, that I'm along the same line. So I I think uh is gonna win just because um he's Chris Jericho. So 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 like all about uh him going on the top. You can always say MJF lost to the legendary Chris Jericho. Yeah. <laughs> right? At least that's what Jericho and you know AEW officials will say. <laughs> All right. So let's time. Let's let's take a look at our entire card. Let's make a report card. We're gonna start off with Elio. Elio, what are you giving this week's AEW Dynamite? So I said this this wasn't good and it wasn't bad for me. It was middle of the road. I'm going with the C. Okay. Andy. Uh, because I thought it was pretty good, but there were still some low points, I'm going to go B minus. Fair enough. Rick Serrano the third. And because I was riding that line of terrible, I'm going to go with a D plus. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, plus on the show. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, guys, the, going over it again, I realized there was a lot more schmoz than I thought. I'm going to give it a C straight across. Um, I didn't hate it, but the more I've talked about, the more I realize there's some of the things that I definitely did not like and things that I thought were poorly handled. So folks, I guess that gets us right probably in the middle. Uh, it probably rates around a C maybe. Yep. Yeah. But uh, Rick, I think we have a, a little bit of announcement to give our fans. Absolutely. Um, following this last show first of all i need to hear andy say dynamite aw dynamite once for me tonight all right well set me up with it with what we're gonna what we were just reviewing yeah uh andy uh what, was the, what the hell was the name of the show we were just doing aew dynamite Ooh. and uh well does elio ever say anything on the show that's uh, except he's not sure what's going on <laughs> No, because he'll say that on quarantine. I'm, say, sure I'm, sure, I'm sure you'll say that on quarantine. <laughs> but so, Rick, uh, how do how do we go about telling the people about this? I'll tell you right now, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is going to be our last episode of Wrestling POV Global. The Global guys are going to be doing focusing more on WPOV quarantine from here on in the future, and me myself. Uh, Clay Cummings and Tony Diaz. They're gonna be. We're gonna be covering AEW Rampage and Dynamite in more in depth. So you guys can tune into that every Saturday. You guys will still get your AEW news. Uh, we said we told you guys that we are hardworking at what we do. So we want to give you guys the best shows possible. So uh, stay tuned for Wrestling POV Quarantine. These guys are the best of the best at what they do. They're going to get the best out of their, their guests, and we're going to be moving forward. So this is going to be our last episode of Wrestling POV Global. Uh, every now and then, we may come back and do a global episode from the past like we've done before and we'll talk about stuff that's happened in the 80s and 70s, and we'll bring it up back every now and then. But for the time being, this will be our last episode of Wrestling POV Global. These guys have been amazing. Uh, I love these guys like brothers, so... They've done an amazing job from episode one to episode 143. Congratulations, guys, on getting this far. We're going to move forward into quarantine, into the future, and that's it. Actually, I have something to say. Give me oh, one second. Okay. 
You guys don't need to say like you weren't just saying something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in the meantime, oh. and in between time, that's it for the last edition of Wrestling POV Global. Bye now.